to boldly go where no man has gone before. Hold on to your underpants. It's time for Aftershocks with Steve Grillo. Yeah, that's my world, everybody. My world, that's our music director, Chris Munger. I want to give a shout out to them. I want to say welcome to another episode of Aftershock, where I am trying not to say the word fuck, but I just did. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. um, I got a room full of people, but first I want to say thank you for everybody listening. Every week the numbers are going up and up and up, and I appreciate everybody's support and love. And the most people I support that, that support me and love me are the people that pay me. So uh, I want to thank them right away. Uh, first of all, our first uh, sponsor, who actually is just we're officially a sponsor with the, the company, and that's Versteiner Beer. Um, their Pilsner has changed me from a vodka drinker back to a beer drinker. It's delicious. It's uh, Versteiner is amazing. Uh, I was at Dorian's Red Hand on the Upper East Side the other day. Uh, I'm an adopted member of the family over there. They have Versteiner there, and it's one of their biggest sellers. And I want to thank everybody like on the Versteiner team for believing in me. And I'm happy to be a part of the team. Then we have uh, the uh, it's tax season, people. It's going to be here before you know it. And don't get caught on your ass. You need Richard Prinzi at the F-Sharp Tax Management Group because they are some of the best accountants on the planet. Do not screw with the U.S. government, and they will be there for you and get you the most money back that's that's legally possible. The F-Sharp Tax Management Group is in uh, Los Angeles. They're in uh, New York, and they're also uh, in Las Vegas. And they can take care of you from coast to coast all over the place. So you don't have to necessarily be in one of those three cities. They take really good care of me, and I want to say thank you to Richard Prinzi. If you want to get your taxes done by the best, it's Richard at Prinzi.com. That's P-R-I-N-Z-I. And then we have Bright Shot, some of the best lighting in the entertainment business. They can go any color, any color temperature. They're cheaper than all those giant big companies. You get personal and loving attention when you go with Bright Shot. They wear a hands, they're a hands-on company. Roy McDonald, who created it, is there to hold your hand throughout the whole process. We want to thank Bright Shot. And then we got, uh, he's going to be here later, the DCL firm. There are a bunch of attorneys that are pit bulls that will get the money back that is owed to you. But he's going to come on a little later to explain James, the lawyer. He's going to come on. He does it a little better. I want him to explain it because everybody, all these sponsors have been great to me. And I just wanted to say thank you. Whew, I shouldn't have had that cup of coffee. I'm wound. Wound, wound up. <laughs> And uh, I should have done that. I was hungry before I came here. And I said, you know what? Let's, I'll save it for later. Just have a cup of coffee that kills my appetite. And that's why I'm really wound up. It's not doing cocaine, Mom. Okay? Was that an Irish coffee? No, it wasn't. <laughs> I was actually pretty good. I, I was hanging at the bar, and I didn't have a drink. Because I would like to do a drunk episode one day. <laughs> so, But I have a room full of awesome people. And uh, I want to introduce my first guest, Jenny. She was here last week. Jenny Boom. Hello. And uh, Jenny's okay. here to help us out. And uh, I figured I'd give some eye candy. Uh, I'd bring the two beautiful women back to give some eye candy for, for my main guest. Dawn. Dawn is also here from last week. Dawn, you can talk in the microphone. Because Hello. we all got to sing happy birthday to Dawn. Yes. We'll have Jenny do that a little later. Jenny's got another <laughs> song for us. But my main Maryland focus. Maryland style. Yeah, there you go. My main focus today is, uh, and I'm very excited to hear because this guy is a writer, a director, a producer, and most also an actor. You probably know him from Yogi Berra in 61. That was one of his, my favorite roles that he did. But he also did his mo a movie that he produced, wrote, and directed called Back in the Day. Everybody, please give a warm welcome for Mr. Paul Bergazzi. Wow. I'm very excited to have you. I've been trying to get you on the show for a while because, you, you know... It's like he's he's such a like talented guy and he's such a like name in the business. He's been around for what 20, 25 years in the business. 
at least. Yeah. I won't go too far into how many years I'll give away my age. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you haven't changed at all. Like, I've known you for, what, 20 years? Uh, yeah, at, at least, least. At least. And I try to always be like a, uh, an up-and-comer. So, you know, you want to come across as uh, as older than an up-and-comer. So, yes, I'm still in my 20s. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah me too. <laughs> Not really. Not if you see me. I don't even know why I'm bothered. So we're going to have cameras to this show. And I was like, I looked at myself in the mirror this morning. I was like, why would I put this face on camera? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I think you look very handsome. Oh, so, oh, thank you, Paul. I'll take you out for a drink later. You do. <laughs> so uh, Paul's here to talk about uh, his movie career and, and the, everything in the business. Now, I, I just, I, you know, I, I love looking up your IMDb page because it's just so stacked with so many eclectic different movies. And what, So uh, I'll start out with, like, what was your favorite role to play? Well, I think you just mentioned it. I mean, even though it wasn't a huge role, I mean, I've played bigger roles in smaller movies, like leads in smaller movies. I played Vito Bonifaci in Vito Bonifaci. But playing Yogi Berra in the HBO movie 61 was just great. I worked the whole summer on that. I got to work with great actors. Billy Crystal, who was uh, the director and executive producer, was an HBO production. It had 12 Emmy nominations. I'm also technically an Emmy winner because we won Best Ensemble Cast for that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, we can do applause every time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this like an AA meeting? I can't help it. You were talking about wanting to drink uh, on one of your episodes, so uh, here's your chance. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just been, I've been blessed and uh, grateful that um, I've been able to make a living at this career, both as an actor, producer, director, writer, you you said them all uh, for all these years, and I I hope it continues and continues as long as it has for Clint Eastwood. Yeah, yeah I hope it does too. So now Billy Crystal, uh, was that a fun director? Did you have fun with him? Did he make it easy? Oh or? yeah, Billy Crystal. I mean, besides us all knowing what a comedic genius he is, he's yeah. also a, a baseball genius. I mean, he's oh. like a baseball encyclopedia. Yeah, he's like Rain Man of uh, he, Yankees. He is. You know, he knows you know every baseball player's stance. He knows everything about baseball. So he was a big plus in the way of you know making the movie so authentic. And he just was so much fun. I mean, we, we had extras in the stands, and just to keep them, you know, their enthusiasm and energy up, he would actually get up there with the megaphone every now and then and just do a free, like, five, ten-minute act for them and tell jokes just to keep their energy level up, which, you know, I thought he, he didn't have to do, and he did to keep that movie going. So we had a lot of fun. I mean, Barry Pepper, who played Roger Maris. I love Barry Pepper. Yeah, he, Barry's a great actor. He became a great friend of mine after that. Anthony Michael Hall I met for the first time. He played Whitey Ford. We yeah. became buddies. That's so you know. cool. Weird Science is one of my favorite yeah. movies. <laughs> Dominic Lambertozzi, uh, who who played Moose Scourin in the movie, our first baseman, and who you see Dominic and everything. He's on Ray Donovan right now. He's Every time yeah, you turn around, you see... Dominic, uh, he was on The Wire as a regular. He became a good friend. And uh, I could go on and on about like all the great friends I made on that movie. So the, the, the movie that you directed, which is uh, back in the day, and I love that title because I use that all the time. Uh, you have a huge cast in that, like like Alec Baldwin, Mike Tyson, uh, Danny Glover. Like the list goes on. Shannon Doherty. I'm like, holy crap, man. How did you score all yeah. those major big people? Well, um, back in the days, one of, of, of the you know numerous... <laughs> Let's say that in a bragging way. Okay. One of the numerous feature films that I've directed, along with documentaries and, and, and TV piles and such. But yeah, back in the day was uh, the last feature film I directed, and I worked on that with uh, William DeMeo. Yeah, I know Willie. Uh, I've done a lot of work with William DeMeo through the years, and uh, we put that project together, and I was one of the producers on it as well as having directed it. And you know, a lot of the names that I brought to different movies that I've worked on have been through personal relationships. And just reaching out and saying, hey, would you do this? So in this case, some of it were personal relationships and some of it was 
through agents and managers and going through the red tape. But you know, Alec Baldwin was like really cool to get to work with. Did and you did you get happy, Alec, or mean, angry, Alec? Alec was <laughs> like, look at some of my posts on Instagram, my recent posts on uh, on Instagram, which is you know just at Paul Bergazi, and uh, I have just recently posted some things about Alec and. I mean, he was just great on set. As a matter of fact, when we sat down and had lunch before we did the movie, we talked about the script, and he said, "You know, Paul, uh, I'd like to put some more meat on the bones of my character. I'd be, you know, let's let's do. I'll give you an extra day. Let's re, you know, let's write some new stuff." And so he actually gave me an extra day on the set, which was like, which was wonderful, included in what he came in for. And you know, uh, he just was very a, a generous actor. I call that for those of you that know, just on the set. With the time he gave, with with the patience he had for not being on a Hollywood production, which he's so used to doing, yeah, and he just and and he listened to me. He took direction and he respected me. So um, uh, that was great. You know, I would I would love the opportunity to uh, work with Alec Baldwin again. No, I you know I, the one time that I Mike would... Tyson, I had a beat up by the way to oh, get to yeah. uh, <laughs> to be in the movie. He, you know what? That he was seems, easy. He seems like he just changed, he turned to leave. Like, like he looks like he was that angry, mean person, and then now he seems so awesome and lovable and approachable, kind of, you know, like, I hope he is. At least that's the way he's coming across. Well, a lot the of these guys, life, right? they, they find what? themselves, you know, and uh, they find a different place. And as we all get older, you know, we become wiser and we have different life experiences, and I think he looks back at things that he regrets and things that he looks back at and says, I'm not sorry for having done this. And he just was a sweetheart. I mean, it was like, you know, Mike Tyson's on the set, and I'm bossing, not bossing him yeah, like I'm bossing, but Mike, do this. Mike, go back and do it again. Mike, go back to one. No, Mike, can you do this a little more like this, a little more like that? And all he wanted to do was please me. You were the custom motto of movie making. It, it, was ama- it, was, it was amazing. And I hooked him up, though. I made sure I had, you know, Atlas Security, which is the best in the business, Matt Ventura. And I made sure he was picked up, taken back. He had two guys with him all day because, you know, we were in boxing scenes, so... Uh, he he wasn't playing a boxer, but he was, I mean, he was playing himself, but he was in these scenes in the audience watching. So, you know, the extras, there's a lot of extras. They want to get his autograph, yeah, so yeah. I had to keep him protected. Uh, did he lend any, like, boxing info? Like, did he put it, have any input in, like, the scenes and stuff? Because I watched a couple of scenes, and it's pretty detailed boxing scenes there. It's not like you, oh, yeah. I, I hate to say they pulled any punches when it came to throwing down as far as boxing coordination, because that's really hard shit to shoot. Well, Manny Silverio is our, our stunt coordinator, and yeah. he has a lot of experience with, uh, with hand-to-hand combat and boxing. So we rehearsed, and there were numerous opponents that William DeMeo's character uh, had. So we had rehearsals, and we choreographed things, and, you know, multiple cameras, and it was, uh, it was pretty detailed. But like, not for nothing, that's hard to direct. It, it was a big challenge to direct because you have... Uh, all this boxing and these different opponents and you're having to swap the ring angle and you're having to match stuff and you have all these extras at the same time in the room, out of the room. And But Mike Tyson wasn't really a part of, of the boxing uh, as far as, you know, uh, being a consultant or anything like yeah. that. He basically play, played himself, comes in and uh, wishes luck to uh, the actor, to uh, William DeMeo's character yeah. that's going to go out for the world championship, uh, middleweight championship of the world. But I said, hey, listen, I have Mike for the day, so I want to put him in the stands, you know, and I want to have him cheering on for the fight, too. Yeah. So I was like, Mike, you okay? I know you're only written in to do this one cameo, but I want to keep you for the day. And he was like, sure, man, I'll do that, I'll do that. And he came, <laughs> came you know, and he just, you know, he was a tr- real trooper, and, and, and again, he... he, he 
He was another generous person, and everyone was great on that movie. I mean, Michael Madsen was oh, also man. in the movie. I, I love him, man. Yeah, I'm sorry, Kill Bill. That was the greatest character ever. Oh man. yeah. <laughs> so we had uh, a lot of fun with Michael Madsen, and and Shannon Dowry was just such such a sweetheart, and I loved working with her. I had such a. I still have a crush on her. She was like one of my favorites. I just I love the black hair. Everything I had one experience with her. She came into the nightclub that I worked at. It was Club Expo back in you know 1991, and the owner. I wasn't born yet. Then. No, <laughs> the <laughs> owner was obsessed with her, and he was a big, fat, sweaty guy. And like I never saw anybody sweat through a, like a suit jacket before. Uh, and he was like he's profusely sweating, and he comes up to her, and he's like, "Oh my God, I love you!" I'm the owner coming, and he, like he like freaked her out so bad she literally ran out of the club. She was like, "I did not come here for this." I I've seen people sweat through suit jackets but it was because of substances they that's were taking. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen rings under the arms and suit jackets. That's the funniest weirdest <laughs> thing yes. to see. And you know, okay, that guy's doing something. Yeah. You know, but Shannon was great to getting away from uh drugs and back to beautiful women. There you go. Shannon was great and Annabella Shiora was also oh, in the movie. Right. Another, amazing. another beauty, another great actress. Uh it was a gr- really a great cast and I've been blessed to work with people like that, and you know, there's as again, you could go on and on with some of the name actors that I've been able to bring to the table and work with. Carmen Electra was in a movie oh, she I was did before fun. that. Carmen's hot. Sandra Bernhardt. She looks a little like Carmen you Electra. Know. No, like Jenny. I have <laughs> once, once, twice. Maybe. Well, you know what? So look at her eyes. Her eyes are just like Carmen's because I know she's got those like bright blue eyes, like Carmen. Because uh, I got to hung out with her and um, at Scores once with. Uh, the guy from Cypress Hill, Be Real. I think they were dating oh, for cool. a little bit. But they were so nice, both of them. But I was like, I could see her eyes look like Carmen's. Dennis well, Rodman did hit on me once, I have to say. You have a no, ring on your finger. Uh, the, nothing no, on your not left hand. Your left hand. No, no, Okay, no. so, well, uh, I don't can't tell in the face because she's got dark hair. I think of Carmen more blondish. Yeah. But she certainly got the body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or a Carmen. <laughs> and then some. Yeah. Is your real last name Boom? No, no I didn't think so. No, no. So why don't no, you no. just go with Boom Boom if you're gonna go with Boom? Well, I mean, and the Boom is basically. That too. I, I think it's a reference to her ass because it's like Boom Boom. Gymnastics <laughs> and soccer. I thought that was the sound that you heard when she walked in the room. Yeah, it's like a son. Boom Boom. It should be Jenny Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think there's a chain. She could have her own chain. Yeah, yeah. Instead of Sonic, it's Sonic Boom, and then you can just go in there and. What about your sponsor? Uh, Grillo pads. Did you didn't mention yeah, them? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's got jokes too. I oh. love it. <laughs> but you didn't mention them. Yeah, oh, I that's know. Grillo. It's, it's, it's a family <laughs> business. I'm retiring yeah. off of that money. I don't really need to like uh, mention it. You know, <laughs> this is land. Yeah, it's weird because as we a, call it in Louisiana. There you go. There is a. There's actually a company out called Grillo's Pickles, and I like. I was like, you know, how did that happen? I want to find out, like, because I don't know too many people with my last name. There's like a, like a couple of people, but I, is that is, you're 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 a guinea? Is that a popular uh, I'm a li- guinea? Yeah. Well, listen, to this guy. <laughs> here is comes that a popular the mail. name? Do you, oh, do you hear boy. that? <laughs> well, as one Italian to the other, we've always been known for our pickles. Oh yeah, I know that's so, another weird thing. Um, you know? I, I think pickles, that uh, it fits, fit right into the business of having Grillo pickles. <laughs> they, Grillo pickles. I don't know, but everybody sends it to me every time they see it. They're like, oh, it's like. I know already. At this point, they've been... You're like me with Borghese wine, the the Borghese vineyards, and then, of course, everything in Italy. Did did some people ever get, once in a while, go, like, it's Paul Fugazi? Well, early on, (laughs) some people would say, oh, oh, Fugazi? I'm like, no, no, not Fugazi. Which used to be the limousine company that used to advertise like crazy. I don't know if you remember Fugazi limousines. No. (laughs) They show up with a Toyota. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) And then the word Fugazi became uh, popular, you know, with like, you know... uh, uh, imitation, whatever you're wearing. Yeah, well, for, for anybody who's listening in the middle of the country, Fugazi is an Italian slang word for like 
a cheaper version of the real thing. Yeah. And like, oh, you know, like, oh, that that watch, that's not a real Rolex. It's Fugazi. So, uh, you know, it's, it's like, a fake. Yeah. yeah, it's a fake. So uh, Fugazi. Like my purse. Yeah, like if they do that yeah. with purses, like they say that Like my Fui Fafan purse. Yeah, yeah, you Louis Fafan. <laughs> Louis no, it's Fui Fafan. Yeah. There's Fucci, Fada, Fui yeah. Fafan. Yeah. Everything's real except Rana. the whining. Yeah, no. well, you go down to Canal and Broadway, and you can't, you know what's so funny? This is why I hate this new mayor, and I don't like to get political, but you say, like, when when like Giuliani and, and everybody ran this, this city, they cleaned it up, and they kept it going, and now, like, de Blasio, I think he's just really in it for himself. So they, they, they went down there, and those guys are harassing. Okay, they're everywhere. You can't walk down that area without somebody grabbing you. You want to buy a watch? You want to buy a watch? It's like, if I want, no, no, I don't. And you're talking that, about Canal Street, yeah. And now it's just right back to where it was. Well, like, I liked it when you couldn't walk down Forty Second Street without well, being that was, offered. Uh, oh God, I know for ten or twenty dollars. <laughs> I, I feel like worry, the days. worrying about people selling you watches. Now it's. And I'm going to use the F word for this one. Now it's fucking Disneyland. Like it, I hate. I want to invent yeah, Times Square has become Disneyland. I want to invent the urban machete. Okay, so I can just walk through a crowd and just start whacking people. Straight, go straight you through. Crazy bastard! I know. Some guy actually was just on the news today. He, some guy, what, like two years ago, with a sword on Thirty Six and Ninth, like killed some guy. Yeah, no, it was just I, all I, today. Oh we, we know that. Everybody good. knows I wouldn't. It's, it's like really like, a metaphor. But when I walk down through Times Square, and I live not too far from Times Square, you gotta throw I, elbows. Yeah, you gotta throw elbows. You gotta push. You gotta shove because a on top of the fact that these people are so awestruck in Times Square, which is amazing, and it is beautiful. Everybody's on their goddamn phone now. Yep. So every, Taking pictures. Yeah, yeah. everybody's right there. Why are you in Times Square? Well, I, you know, sometimes you got to walk through. Your, you can't avoid job? it. Your day job? Yeah, my day job. I'm <laughs> fat, fat Spider-Man. You can come watches. take a picture with me? <laughs> Any real New Yorker watches. avoids... To- avoids right? What did I say that? Like a, a different... Avoid. Like I was came from somewhere else. Every <laughs> Like I was educated or something, No, which I am. You are. Uh, everybody walks... That's a real, true New Yorker, it like avoids a Times Square like the plague. And you, you were talking about the sword incident and part of the problem, which is also in, in, in Hollywood too, is you have all these superheroes... Fake superheroes, you know, taking with these lame costumes, taking yeah. pictures with Fugazi costumes. Fugazi costumes, costumes, exactly. Yeah. If you get close to some of these guys, yeah. you're like, what? And they smell and, you know, they don't wash them the day. And so they're walking around with weapons. And so you never know a real sword from a fake sword or a, 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 a real ninja mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, uh, weapon from a fake one. So I, I wonder don't know. if, like, you're in the Elmo costume and you, like, fart. It must be like, Torturous because you're trapped in there with your. Or kids. you like it. You're like, mm, yeah. Yes. I love my. I, I love my <laughs> own sense. Yeah. Why One do of I those. like this so much? But it's all so because you, you know they all share those costumes, so it's everybody's bo. Ugh. They pass it along. You know what's terrifying? I really hate them. Is those Statue of Liberty people? Like oh, they, they have that creeped out Statue of Liberty mask, and they're they frozen. Like they're frozen. You're supposed to stand. They they're hold like gold. the torch, and they have and they stand on boxes, so they look really big. And it's the most disturbing mask I've ever seen. It's really creepified. It is creepy. And uh, they all stand there on boxes, and, you, and they, you pay them money to take a picture with them. And it, it's just, I don't like them. They like, freak me out. Yeah, they're weird. The, the worst, I think, are those uh, baggy Spider-Man costumes. Yeah. They just, you know, they, they, you know, you have to come along with the build or a fake build inside those costumes, like Captain America and all that. And these people are just buying these 1999, you know, costumes, and they're baggy. And then and, and yeah. these tourists, you know, they're either looking up 
at the buildings and almost getting hit by cars or, you know, they're yeah. going for... Remember back in the day, which again, I don't want to uh, you know, date us. It. No Remember the back. Polaroids when you'd be walking down Times Square and you'd be with a girl and, and they'd be like, oh, you want a picture together? You want a picture together? And you'd be like, oh yeah, sure. And then they'd take a Polaroid and then they'd stick it in some cheap little frame yeah. and it was like 10 bucks or and something then, then back they had, then. And then while you were doing that, they had somebody lifting your wallet. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> I learned my lesson real real quick with that one. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was with a hooker. But For, yeah. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm only kidding. <laughs> Fugazi story. <laughs> so anything I say dirty or, or, or racy like that is completely a joke and oh, made of course up, just so is. you know that. So, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Times Square was like, that's where when we were kids, like my friend used to work at a beeper company and he was like stealing. So we, like, I know. It's what's now a, your age. What's a beeper? What's a beeper? What's a beeper? Yeah. What's a beeper? <laughs> <laughs> For those kids out there listening, this is how we used to communicate. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, you get beeping. We had different codes, but my friend was like, you know, he was swindling from the company that he worked with, and he'd get like beepers out of the year contract. Can you name him? He passed away. Yeah, Michael Levitt. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm it's sorry. okay. No, it was uh, uh, my friend Levitt. So, uh, so I can say whatever I want. But you know, uh, not like to get arrested. So we, we'd all we'd all like jump in the car and come down to Forty Second Street and shut up a little shop and fuck and sell them on a Forty Second Street. Nobody oh, said shit to us. Well, if you, the Deuce brought it all back now. If you watch the Deuce, I haven't watched the Deuce yet. I was on I, two episodes so... of the Deuce, and uh, what it's did just you play? Amazing, you know. I, well, they started with this whole construction thing where uh, Chris Bauer's character and James Franco's character—they were just kind of like laundering money through this check cashing thing. So I was hoping that that storyline would carry on. So I only did two episodes, and then that's it. My character was out. But I got—I mean, I know Chris Bauer also from '61. Okay, you know, uh, and he's been working like crazy. So, but it was a lot of fun, but they recreated, you know, that era in Times Square, like, unbelievably in, in the but show. But it, it, it's not filmed in Times Square, though, is it? No, well, it, it's a lot of, you know, CGI, you know, it's, yeah. it's special effects, but they do, they shoot stuff in the Bronx. I heard they shoot in some really seedy, you know, so shooting in some really seedy neighborhoods to capture it, and when they're there for, like, four or five days, the... Uh, the, the tenants aren't very oh, happy. Oh, no, with they're it. not. It gets I, have, dangerous I have horror stories. So, but nobody, you know, people that Dawn knows as well as uh, Paul, it's people have no idea that they're not there because I was, we, uh, Bright Shot actually lit a couple of scenes on one of the Spider Men's and they recreated Times Square. And you know how they did it? They got the big shipping containers and they stacked them up really high and they put green screen on them. So, it, so when they shot the scenes, it was all green screen Times Square. Oh, so much is green screen. When I worked on, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with The Family, which was uh, Robert De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer, Tommy Lee Jones, Dominic Lamberdozzi, Jimmy Palumbo. We all, uh, Vinnie Pastore. I was ah, in Vinnie. France for a month. And we would start out as uh, Brooklyn Wise guys, you know, being part of De Niro's crew. And then 10 years later, you know, he snitches and we have to go back and find his family who's on witness protection, blah, blah, blah. We find him in France. But since we were already in France, they shot a backyard Brooklyn barbecue in France. So we were all oh, thinking, wow. how the hell are they going to do this? <laughs> so when we finally got to this, you know, backyard uh, in France, yeah. in Normandy. <laughs> Put up the air quotes. There's like <laughs> these, you know, huge uh, green screen tar tarps that were up. So you see nothing behind the fence of that yard, and then later when we saw the movie, they they you know they put the shots in of like Brooklyn backyards, and it was authentic. Yeah. And, uh, so I have I have a great question for you, and I know this is before be you say that. Same thing with sixty one. We didn't use Yankee Stadium. You know, we used don't the tell, old Tiger don't, don't Stadium. Pop, don't pop, pop people's bubble. What bubble? <laughs> no, but no, no, everybody know. knows this is yeah, common yeah. No, we used the old Tiger Stadium before they tore it down in Detroit. And because it looked so authentically old in Yankee Stadium, and then they CGI'd uh, all the trellis across the top, and 
It looked and felt like you were really in Yankee Stadium. Did you have to go to baseball camp for that? Yes, I did. I went to uh, Encino, California. I went for a week. We all did. And the, uh, That must have been so yeah. much fun. Yeah. And, and it was a lot of fun because people are paid to go to fantasy baseball camp. And here I am going to uh, baseball camp uh, just with us, though, just with the cast. Was some of the original Yankees there at uh, the camp or no? No, but, well, basically we had personal trainers, yeah. and, you know, just with the cast. It wasn't like, ba- it wasn't like open to the public. It was yeah. HBO paid for it. And, uh, you, you know, um, the, that was just really exciting and, and a lot of fun to get do that. The ironic thing in the movie, though, is after all the work, like, is we had, I can tell you a funny quick story, is that all the work I did when I got there to train as a catcher, which I did play a catcher when yeah. I was younger, um, I, I, I trained very hard and, and a cat, cat being playing a catcher is a, is, is a hard position to play. It takes Hell a yeah. lot of strength in your legs and you throw differently. <laughs> so, um, uh, when we, uh. God bless you. Thank you. When we when we got back and we got on the field, it was kind of funny because I trained his catcher and like the first shoot we had out in the field, uh, Billy Crystal comes over to me. He says, "Hey, Paulie, yeah, I, I I I got some some good news and some bad news." And I go, "Well, what do you mean good news, bad news?" But he goes, "Well, it's not all good news." And he said, "You know, in 1961, Yogi." Because uh, I was putting my 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 you know my knee pads on as my equipment. He goes, "Yogi moved out to left field in 1961, and Elson Howard replaced him behind a plate." I'm like, so what are you saying, Billy? He goes, well, here's the rest of the news. And he hands me this little mitt that looked like something you would put on if you were shoveling your snow, like oh, a glove. Like so you I had to go, were, when you were a kid. So I had to go out to left field when I was training to play catcher in the movie. And it was a night game. And all these hundreds of extras are there. And I haven't shagged one fly ball in I God knows how many years while we were training because I was going to play catcher. And they had all semi-pro players as the extras outside of the main characters. So these balls are coming out to me in left field. And I I'm losing him in the light, and I can't see him. And I'm wearing number eight, and they think I'm Yogi Berra, so to speak. And I'm, you know, running over, running them in, and they're going, Yogi, what's going on? And I'm yelling to the extras, I'm an actor. I'm not really Yogi Berra. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, so it was, it was funny. And ironically, in the movie, the all the hitting that I did, and I had to learn how to switch hit, the only Yankees that you ever see get up to bat in the whole movie are Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris characters. You never see one other Yankee get up to bat. So we all trained to hit, and even though we did, we didn't make it in, into the cut. Wow. Well, that, that's pretty cool. Now, there's another thing that I saw you did, and it's a big controver- uh, controversy right now, is the Irishman. Uh, for people who don't know, uh, you know, uh, they're making basically an Irish version of the Goodfe- of Goodfellas. It's, they brought Scorsese's doing it. They brought back every single. They brought back De Niro, Pacino, uh, Pesci. They're all in the movie, and this it was like it shot like two years ago. Well, the yeah, the movie's stacked uh, with cast, and of course, Scorsese, Martin Scorsese directed it. And you know, it's it, it, not really so much a controversy, it's just that you know, Netflix the first time they've ever worked with a budget this huge and we're looking for the recognition of a theatrical release as opposed to just going straight to Netflix which was a challenge in itself and then it got accepted you know I played a, a, a small role in it that wasn't that big that was supposed to be expanded more so I, I don't want to say too much because I don't know what's going to make it or not make it into the into the movie but you know I had a great scene with just me and Joe Pesci you know doing dialogue together oh, which, which was a lot of fun and you know, Scorsese's um, just so detailed, oriented, and a perfectionist, so he took his time to finish the movie. It's a huge budget movie, and, you know, there's so much speculation as to when it's going to come out, what kind of release it's going to get. So I also, as a cast member, I'm just waiting to see what happens. Okay, yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, that's something I, you know, who doesn't love Scorsese? And talking about detail, I got to, you know, work... 
with Scorsese, I did a background uh, bringing out the dead, which the movie flopped horribly. But you know, we I shot... liked it actually with Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah. Nick yeah. Cage and um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, oh my god, I'm in love with her too. They she, they were dating at the time. One of the uh, not Rosanna, Arquette, Rosanna not, not Rosanna, the sister, Patricia. Patricia, Arquette. I meant, I meant Patricia. Yeah, Arquette, yeah, um, Patricia. So, but we shot like these long scenes. I like played a junkie in the way with the waiting room. So I had to be so there. There was no stretch. For no me. stretch for me. <laughs> <laughs> I still got the track marks. <laughs> <laughs> so I was there for like it was like oh, two weeks that we shot in the hospital, and because it was like this one scene that they kept you had, you had to come back, which is amazing. So I sat there and I said, oh, I'm stuck here. Why? So I stood behind Scorsese for the whole two weeks. Just watching him make decisions and and watch him direct, and they, they didn't, he didn't care. Like I, I wasn't like on top of his lap. I didn't talk to him, but I watched every decision he made, and he was detail oriented. He was like, "No, no, let's do that again. This time, do it like this, you know." And he was like, he wanted to hit the mark every time. Like, it was and amazing. then he would say, "Good, good, good, excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah, that was good, excellent, 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 perfect, good. excellent. Do okay. it again. Just do it one more time. Do it again. Yeah, do it again. yeah, exactly. Do it again. <laughs> excellent, excellent. One more time. Yeah. Okay, that was good. Just give it to me one more time. Yeah. Okay, Nick. <laughs> one more time. One more. And who the hell is this extra standing behind me for two weeks? Yeah. Someone get the fuck rid of him. Breathing down my neck. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you Steve Grillo from the Howard Stern show? Uh, Yeah, right. right. I wish. Uh, So, um, what was I going to talk about? So, I heard because now we got to understand how Pacino and and De Niro in their seventies, and apparently they have a special camera to make them look younger. Like it's almost like a CGI camera. Like they because they look that old and they're supposed to be playing younger people. And they have like, a, am, I, am I wrong? Did you see a special camera there? And well, it's... yeah, you know, uh, I couldn't say the specific technicalities of it. It wouldn't be my place to say. It would be more the cinematographer's place to say or somebody who is authorized to say. But yes, they did some very special things that I was impressed with that I think were first time things. Because I, I was looking at them and there were certain marks and tags on their bodies even so that when they went into shoot, you know, went into post-production, they were able to make a stomach <laughs> a little bigger or make a face a little older. Yeah. So I saw these more, and I asked, what are those little tags? You know, like, aren't they going to show up? And they're like, no, they're supposed to be there. They're tracking marks. Well, they're, um, I know that because I did speak to the cinematographer because we're like, we did a demo for Bright Shot uh, on the set, like right before they geared up. We didn't get the gig, but uh, he did say it's going to be a lot more complex because, you know, they're going to be, you know, a- not aging, but, you know, like making their faces look younger through a special new technology. But, uh, you know, if anybody watches It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, they should have just put them in a green man costume. They could have <laughs> just CG'd everything. <laughs> Wait, so the Golden Girls in 60 Minutes Halo effect, they don't do that anymore? No, they, they just, look like yeah, angels. Yeah, yeah. no, they just like, why is the light? They different? just smear Vaseline <laughs> no, on no the more? fucking camera. <laughs> yeah, the old days of uh, felt gauze. <laughs> yeah, and felt and film. They would put gauze over the lens, or yeah. you know, filters. Ah, she, or, she's not a looker anymore. We got to do something. <laughs> well, that does become. I mean, as a director, that's a, a challenge I've had at times. Where you know, sometimes you you cast somebody that you haven't really. Of enough of a name that you'll cast them without seeing them, and you haven't seen them in anything recent. And then when you finally meet them, you just have to delicately be like, okay, delicately be like, how am I going to make this work? And you always have to delicately make it work. Yeah. Well, you brought up the Howard Stern show thing, and uh, we had Jackie Martling in here two weeks ago, and it was a phenomenal show. We got a lot of uh, people listening to that show and stuff like that. It was great. But uh, he brought up the story about your dad. Well, I listened to it. Yeah, I listened yeah. to to the whole show, and uh, yeah, Jackie. I've known Jackie since 
probably the late 80s or early 90s. Uh, here we go, dating ourselves. Jackie yeah, right. started his own line. As you know, he's such a... He's so entrepreneurial about it. I mean, he's like the merchandising He's, like, the, he's so genius, generous with his right? merchandise. It's really ridiculous. He is, except for when he charges you for it. No, I'm sure he, are, yeah, I'm exactly. no, but he had, you know, these VHSs, you know, Jackie the Joke Man tapes and all that. And I was working at the time. I was actually a VP for a distribution company, and we tried to negotiate a deal with Jackie to, um, uh, to, to distribute his VHS tapes. But I guess the deal wasn't quite what Jackie wanted, so he continued to self-distribute and I believe still does – Till this day, God bless him. Hey, like this is the, this is got a, a few T-shirts, yeah. CDs signed. Right. I'm like, oh, thanks. Oh yeah, I've got my stump the joke man T-shirts, yeah. and he so, would always send me care packages. But this is this yeah, is how great he was. Like, say he met Jenny one day at the bar, and you know, Jenny was like, Jenny's a big Stern fan, and she was like, oh my god, Jackie the joke man, and of course, you know, Jackie's like a flirt, and he's like, on her like a bum on a sandwich. He's, <laughs> he's attractive for. A man. A man. His, his birthday's uh, tomorrow, I think. Oh, happy his, birthday, his, Jackie. His, his birthday is Valentine's Day, so we're supposed to go out with him tomorrow. Uh, but he was bummed out that I, you weren't on the show when he was on the I show. I got the text too late. Yeah, I, I know. know. <laughs> I was <laughs> napping, and I woke I, up, and I was like, God damn it. It would have been the Jackie Jenny show. I wouldn't uh, have had a word in it. It would have been. Oh, boy. We can bounce yeah. off each other. He's funny. Yeah, yeah. well, Jackie, so Jackie had been hilarious. for... For a long time, so hey, Paulie, when are you gonna put me in a movie? When are you gonna put me in a movie? Yeah, you know, come hey, on, put me in a fucking movie already, would yeah. you? Already, come on, I'm funny, I'm funny. <laughs> so you know, good. so uh, I we I don't know what came first or second, but there was Searching for Bobby D, which the movie I I co-wrote and uh, directed, and Carmen Electra was in, Sandra Bernhard, Michael Nori. Uh, Tony Dow, I could go on and on with that. Mike, uh, not Mike Tyson. The, Tyson I, 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 I want to get into the premise of that, but and, go ahead and, and tell Jackie, your story. So I put Jackie in that, which is funny because he was online waiting to audition and he was telling jokes. So it was just very natural. And then, of course, you know, um, uh, a movie that I was uh, an exec, uh, executive producer on uh, called Potluck with Victor Colicio. Oh, and that's then we put Jackie in that movie too. And I've always tried to get him into other things i've done but you know uh and i and i still and i still will but he's he's a natural and he's a very funny guy oh i know i love him so his the, the genius of jackie's and it's so smart is the fact that he'll meet someone like jenny or dawn or you and he'll go give me your address and you're like yeah sure you're gonna he'll instantly he really send you a care package within like a week yeah it's nice and he's you're been like, doing oh. that for like you know i've known him for 25 years he's been doing it for 25 years i can't imagine but he's smart because what it is it's got his number on the back well, nine he two, builds fans like you that build, you know you, you, you know you, you build fans but you're smart. also how many you're advertising yourself well you want to go know, see like, him people want to go see him after that and be able to go to the show and say I know him before I went there. And the story he told about my father, you know, uh, God bless my father's soul because he's not with us anymore. Absolutely. But it was so funny because Jackie, uh, it was was a club called Mr. Rips. It was in Congress, New York. And Jackie was playing there. And, um, you know, he said something to me about, you know, he's like, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to break your father's balls and this and that. Is he, can he take it? I go, oh, yeah, please. He loves telling jokes, this and that and the other thing. So um, he asked him, you know, he was doing... uh, Tell tell me a joke or stump the joke, man. I forget which one yeah, it was. Stump the joke, man. So first, my father stands up and he was bald and he broke his chops and he says, "What's your name, Lou? Lou? Okay, Lou." He goes, hey, "What have you been doing? Uh, uh, U-turns under the sheets, you know, <laughs> because of the ball." That's a Jerry, Jackie's ball joke. Yeah. And my father started cracking up. Then he goes, "Okay, Lou, tell me a story. Tell me a joke." So my father starts telling his joke and he was, you know, used Italian, he's, he's using Italian, using his hands and this and that. And he goes, "Oh, wait, 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 stop, stop right there." And he says, "Let me see you tell that joke 
Put your hands behind your back <laughs> and now try to tell me the joke. Yeah. And That's torture. God's right. honest truth, Jackie was not kidding. My father started trying to tell a joke and he kept stopping and laughing because he couldn't tell a joke without using his hands. <laughs> yeah. So the audience, you know, loved it. And from that point on, you know, Jack, I'd bring my dad to see Jackie's shows. And we had a screening of Searching Bobby D on the rooftop of the Atlas building. My father came, Jackie was there, and they saw each other again. And, you know, so they. I have a great picture of Jackie with my dad, too, that's on our either Facebook or Instagram or something. I would love to see that picture. So now, Chasing Bobby D, like, what's that all about? Well, Searching for Bobby D oh, sorry, is... is that's okay. chasing, Everybody yeah. screws it searching. searching for Bobby D, and then all people say Searching for Bobby De Niro, but it's called Searching for Bobby D, and it's about these um, Brooklyn actors who are, 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 are frustrated with getting stereotyped. There's always, you know, either just playing so mob was, guys, uh, so just it was that, a, it was a thing. far, far... Uh, you know, uh, it was a hard thing to, for you to do for that picture. Uh, yeah. yeah, right, right. Well, I guess you came up with the premise a little bit. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's you know life imitating art or art well, imitating yeah, life. I, a very smart person told me once: write about what you know. Yes, well, that's very true, and I've heard that many times. So, yeah. Um, is that why you always write about gay porn? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you know when I say this, I love you. And I'm kidding, yeah, yeah. and we're very heterosexual, uh, you could, both you, of us, <laughs> even you, when we're in bed together. He loves yeah. trannies. You could you could check out my editorial on RearAdmiral.com. He does. He has a thing for for trannies. <laughs> no, I, I you, you wait. We worked at Brunelli's together. <laughs> I'm not saying. Oh my god, yeah, let's not go kidding. back to Brunelli's. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, this show. We welcomed them though. We welcomed them. Yes, we did. Before the whole trans movement. Yeah, we welcomed them. You know, and that's if you're gonna get rid of mafia people in your restaurant. Fill it with trannies. <laughs> they had a whole table every week. Yeah, no, well, that day, I met them at the nightclub I used to work at, and Russ is a freak, and Russ came down to the nightclub, and I introduced him, and he loved them, and of course, Russ was the, always the biggest promoter of himself. Oh, hey, come on to Wednesday nights, because Paul used to host Wednesday nights. Yeah, for, Wednesday night at Brunelli's yeah. for a year I did that. It was hosted by Paul Bergese. We were on page six every week, every yeah. week, celebrities, oh. every week, you name it, who was there, you know, everybody from P. Diddy to... All the Sopranos to, yeah, I mean, we could just go he, on and on. He did. He came in to see uh, Gigi, remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like Gigi was, uh, he was an old school G, you know? And uh, all of a sudden, he used to have his table in the corner, and you know, everybody used to hang out at his table. You go pay respects. Then all of a sudden, one day, two giant SV, SV, uh, SVUs. Yeah, yeah, or, the big black The ones. big black cars pull up, and it was like, all of a sudden, five giant black guys get out, and they all stand like in like a gauntlet. And all of a sudden, P. Diddy walks in and goes down and sits down at Gigi's table just to show respect for the old school G. It was wow. so cool. Yeah, Gigi, man, he was an old G. I remember that. Yeah, but yeah, so we had a lot of fun uh, during those days. But yeah, it's 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 true. They they, I say they like it's not, probably that's not politically correct to say they. You know what I mean? These days, you have to be careful of everything you said. I don't oh. want to get I don't want to get political, but it's getting a little ridiculous. No, I have I no religion, no politics, but the PC you know, thing is out of control. It yeah, really is. It, it really is. We were talking about something. Yeah, Russ Brunelli. We had a lot of fun at Brunelli's at, on the Upper East Side. I think it was like 83rd in New York or something. 75th in New York. 75th in New York. And uh, yeah, that was a, a great and, and fun year. But we were talking about something that led us to Well, that. all the trainees started going and then all the... No, trainees started out as a joke, and then yeah. we had something. No, you were talking that. about uh, you were talking about searching for Bobby D. Searching oh. for Bobby D. Thank you for bringing me back. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, sometimes good. I pay attention. Wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So these guys are uh, frustrated with always being cast. They're actors. Four of them: Tyson Beckford, Danny Marcol, uh, 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 Danny. Who was it? Uh, William William DeMayo, James Matteo, who's a great actor. Band of Brothers and all that stuff. You know. Um, so these guys set out to try to make their own movie. They write a script. 
and they, you know, they think they're going to try to get Robert De Niro to be in it because he loves it so much. You know, he might love the script, and they, you know, they go to Sandra Bernhardt plays this like sort of like the producer, and and they try to pitch it, and then they go out to try to raise this money to make the uh, to make the movie, and it's this this whole journey. I call it, you know, it's like a comedic misadventure of these guys trying to raise the money to because if they raise half the money, she's going to put up the rest as a producer. So it's it's very funny. We and we had like I said a very uh, a huge cast in that for an independent film like that. I mentioned some of the names. Well, speaking of that, if you're going to go back to that story, how did you, you must have really hit a mark to get that money in that cast for uh, back in the day? Because I know how hard it is. I've, I've raised money for for shoots and stuff like that. It's not easy getting investors to do that. How did you pull that off? Well, I I personally am not have not been really the the fundraiser. To the, I've been very fortunate that most of the work I've done as a producer and director, I've been the a producer and director, but not the financing producer. Okay. So um, uh, William DeMeo, who is a producer on it, uh, is very good as a producer, executive producer, and he plays the played the lead in a number of those movies I directed. So he had a, a strong incentive to try to raise the funds to make the movie. So I didn't really have to raise any of the money for okay. those movies. But it, like again, I said, it wasn't just paying. It was also personal relationships. So some of the actors that, like, for example, Armand Asante worked with us on Once Upon a Time in Brooklyn, and, and he's been a friend for a long time. So although, of course, he was compensated, it was, you know, these have been favors to me to come onto the set and, and work on my movies. That's really cool because uh, I'm, they're just based on the amount of celebrities you do get, I'm sure most of they, they still got to get paid, you know? I'm, you know, I'm sure people oh, yeah, get paid a little more than others. Some people may take a pay cut because they love you, you know? So because, like, Mike Starr did my... My TV pilot, and you know, it's not like it was broadcast anywhere. It was really just used for funding. But you know, like, uh, he, he, you know, he was he he was very cool about the whole thing. You know, yeah, I never I never ask any anybody, uh, uh, name actors, even actors that are. I mean, as long as they're Screen Actors Guild members, I'll never ask anybody to work for free because that would be against union rules, of course. But anybody that's of name stature, I always make sure there's a decent amount of money in the budget for them. You know, yeah. uh, even if they're doing me a favor. I still have to make it, you know, do something right for them in the budget. So that's that's really never been an issue. It's when you don't know somebody and you're dealing with agents and managers and publicists that they're always going to shoot for, uh, you know, as much as they can get. Yeah, cool. And uh, so I'm just thinking, I know because Jenny's got a song, but I just really got a, a great idea. We're going to end the show with your song. I didn't send it to him. He said there wasn't enough time. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Maybe we could just play it over the phone. <laughs> we, we, we can sing it. <laughs> yeah, uh, everybody. James Cristofaro from the DCL firm James is here. Right? He, he just Woo! snuck in. Hey, hey, I'm James. James, that's Paul. Hey, James. Paul well, Bugazzi. Nice well, to meet you. He nice was really plugging the heck out of you. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my world. I'll tell you. Famous in the, hood, the neighborhood. The so neighborhood. no, James had to come a little lady at dinner with his lovely daughter, and he's here now, just so I can get that out of the way. But Paul was just talking. Paul is an actor, director, producer, writer, and he's done so many different films, and he's got such. A huge. Uh, if you go to his IMDb page, Paul Bergazzi, it's it's like you just keep flicking. You can't believe how many times. It's, what is it like eighty one? There's times? a lot. Yeah. I looked. Oh, oh yeah. Like, well, you know, I mean, be, I've worked on. I mean, between directing, producing, writing, acting is you know, it's got to be over two at least two hundred projects. You know, everything and only on IMDb is only you know uh, a portion of the work that you've done. You know. Yeah. Some of the stuff you don't want on IMDb, like the old days, late night Cinemax movies and stuff like that. Go ahead, James. Besides this show right now, do you have a favorite one that you've worked on? Yeah, that was the first question. He was uh... yeah SNL. You did you were on SNL? <laughs> yes, I was. I used to do comedy sketches on on SNL. I was I was on when um, Charlize Theron was a host oh at my one God. time, and it's, it's, she's pretty in person. Uh, 
It's gorgeous. She's it's just ridiculous. Even, like, even more gorgeous in person. Yeah, I would imagine. Like she's, I think she's one of the prettiest people in Hollywood. Like she just is just like you just look at her and there's nothing wrong. Even when she was in Monster, I'd still bang her. She's a woman and there's nothing wrong. Yeah, no, nothing you wrong. Think with that's that. possible? Like, no, I'm just saying. Her, she's like I'm, I know, Steve. I'm trying to. I'm trying to work with you. Here. You want me to stutter? I'll stutter. I, I know you're a funny guy, so I'm trying to work with you. No, here. you're good. You're doing a good job, Paul. I'm very Paul, happy with you. I have a question, Paul. When you with SNL doing the comedy sketches, how did you get to do that? Just by knowing people, they know you're funny. They invite you to come write, or is it almost like oh, a, I didn't write. No, I, I acted in them. Oh, okay. In other sorry. words, they have like their main cast, and then sometimes yes. they have extra characters. Yes, yeah, okay. It's I too much you, for the whole cast sometimes to okay. be in every sketch and every role. So um, I would get my, you know, I was in with them, and yeah. they would call me in for different sketches, and I would just you know play a character. And at one time, I was really disappointing because I was supposed to be in a comedy sketch uh, with uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and I was really excited about it, and we rehearsed it with Jerry and all that, and then. What we do is we rehearse it and then we shoot it later on with the live audience. And then uh, one of the regular cast, they came back to me and said, oh, Paul, we're, you know, uh, we're, getting, we're not going to really need you. I'm like, what are you not going to need me? And they said, so one of the regular cast members, because it was Jerry Seinfeld, said, you know, oh, I'd like to do that role. Um, so then you want, you still get paid, you still get residuals, but, you know, so, but those are the, you know, bumps and grinds of, of the business. Bumps and grinds. By the, at the end, I want everybody to do, I, I, we have a little segment that we do on the show every once in a while called Gripes and Grimes. I don't want to forget that today because I forgot it last week. So Gripes and Grimes is basically everybody goes around the table and like, you know, like you have a problem with say like you were talking about political correctness. So everybody just let that marinate in your head. What's what's bothering you these days? Gripes and Grimes. But we're going to get to that a little bit. Um, so we're going back to Brunelli. So uh, Paul was uh, he was a staple there. He was like in front and it was like some of the craziest times. Like what was one of your favorite stories from Brunelli's? Oh my God, Brunelli's! Uh, I mean, every Wednesday night was an adventure. We we couldn't. We were turning people away. It wasn't even like a nightclub. It was a restaurant that turned into like a Wednesday night nightclub. And uh, the funny thing, it was you know once you got in there, it looked like upscale, like everything was. But there was this one leak in the ceiling. I remember, yeah, that he just oh. would not fix for anything. So you'd be walking through this place, and there was a, a bucket in the middle of this place that yeah. had celebrities. Yeah. And if you didn't know to walk around the bucket, you'd either trip over the bucket, yeah. or you'd get water dripped on your head. They, and, that was where the air conditioning unit was, and this is so gross. So <laughs> Russ just has no like. He, he doesn't care about stuff like this. So he goes and he sticks the. He had to siphon out the pan underneath the air conditioning unit. And he goes and he, he siphons it out and he gets a mouthful of water and he's like, Bleh! <laughs> and he fucking is. So the water's draining out of the pan. And then the kid goes up there and there was a fucking dead mouse in the pan. Oh, oh. thank God the restaurant is closed. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible, right? terrible yeah. publicity <laughs> for it. It's funny, you remember that the drip? I always used to be like, yeah. Ross, please. You know, can you fix the drip, man? It's right. It's like right in the pathway of where you know. <laughs> it was that. It was right in the lounge. Like there was this cool little lounge in the back. There was like two, like there was a, two couches and like an armchair and a big like marble table. And it was right next to the marble table that it was dripping. And it was just like you had to like scooch around the drip. Full, yeah. full of dead mouse water. <laughs> like people like James Gandolfini would come down, yeah. you know, and he'd be like, Paul, like, what the fuck? Can you can't fix a fucking leak, you know? Yeah. And like, I'm not doing an impersonation of him. But no. these guys, it, it was like an ongoing kind of joke. You'd come in like, oh, no, next week, I'll have it fixed next week. And he'd come in and there's like the, the little pail from behind <laughs> yeah. the bar and it's in the middle of the I forgot place. about the drip. See, I knew there was a good story you had in there. It's just, mm. This show should just be called All Roads Lead to Brunelli's. James used to go to Brunelli's. Well, so yeah, before then, or my introduction... Two Brunelli's was um, on First Avenue at this place at 75th and First called the Tar Bar. 
Oh yeah, Vinny. Yeah. That's how yeah, good Vinny Vinny. Right. Vinny. And he then he opened place... up this place called Sinatra's, which um, I guess he then went on to greener uh, pastures to this place down in Alphabet City. Eleven uh, B. Eleven B. He has a pizzeria, place. and he also has a place called Guac across the street. So he has two things, but. So I uh, so you knew Vinny Tarbar, so that's how you got. Yeah, I remember Eleven B too, because my Anthony Michael Hall took me there one night. Oh, I remember all right, that. Yeah, yeah. so I, so but then there's like also the so there's two versions of that scene. Well, three versions, I guess. One is the Tarbar, but the Tarbar was step two. Step three was Brunelli's, at least in my routine. Step one was Campagnola on the Upper East Side. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, that was yeah. Every everybody was hot for that and talking about that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, listen, we're going to go around the table because it's, it's, it's almost time to start wrapping up. We're going to go around the table, Jenny. What's your gripe or your grime? What's your, what's your, what's your, what's pissing you off these days? The guy that stands outside of my door every single day asking for a dollar and a hamburger. Oh, I know that guy. Ugh. You got a dollar. I, 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 feel, you I give him a dollar every day. I can't not give him a dollar, and it annoys yeah. me, and I'm so angry about it. But every day, I'm like, here. God damn it here. Yeah, he stands out in front and is like, you can buy me a sandwich, give dollar? me a coffee, have a Can dollar? I have an egg sandwich? Yeah. I always yeah. go, I give him like five and I'll be like, please just go to the other corner. Yeah. <laughs> Take it, just go, you got better luck somewhere else. When, you see me every day. When I had the pizzeria in Hell's Kitchen, there was it was right by an adult-assisted living pro, uh, place and there was a woman there and I, I, she was Radio Gold. I wish I had a radio show back in the day and I didn't. Uh, I forget her name, but she used to stand. She had she had these giant boobs that would stick out the bottom of her shirt, <laughs> and she goes, "You got a dollar? You got a quarter? You got a dollar? You got a quarter?" And she, you think she stands outside to get something to eat? When she got enough money, she went in and she bought a scratch off. Oh, geez. I was like, <laughs> she lived there. like you know they give them an allowance. They're allowed to go outside, and they, they have to be back at us. They have a curfew. But they get fed three square meals a day. Yeah, I saw this guy one time. He went into McDonald's and he came out with two full bagfuls. And I, I had like lost my job at the time. And I was like, he literally has more money in his pocket right now than me, probably. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right, James, you're up. What's your gripe and your grime? <clears throat> well, th- th- there's a couple of things here, right? So, the, with you know, with the way that you describe the woman that you, um, I guess, would contribute to, and then she go by the scratch off. There's this place in Chicago. Have you ever heard of it or seen it before? I was just trying to look up the name, but then you... The hot dog place? The hot dog and the ham. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, white boy. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, my And they God. rip you a new one. If you if you don't know what you want when you get up there, they're, they're like, the fuck, get the fuck out of my face, you stupid-ass motherfucker. Next. It's like the soup Nazi, but and for so, hamburgers? Yeah. Oh, hot but dogs. it's like hyped up and crazy. And if you, some of the things that are acceptable to say when you're there are, hey, girl, show me them titties, or whatever the hell you want, and they just start like going crazy behind the counter. Anyway, that's what. Wait, what do you mean? Like they'll show you their they'll, breasts? They'll flash you. Yeah, that's that's making your isn't that a health code violation? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you, did you say you wanted a chicken cutlet sandwich? Oh shit! Here, two of them. You want some tilapia? We're all out. Tacos only. <laughs> so the biggest. Right, let me see if I could set this up and and communicate it the way that's sitting here in my head. When I was younger. And I think wiser, because as we get older, we know so much information, we learn so much, and I don't know, we just get dumber, in a sense, because when I was at dinner with my daughter, as I am, she's 11 years old, 11 and a half, going on about 20, and knows everything about everything. So when I talk to her about something, she has an answer immediately, and she's just right. So looking at it through the through the eyes of like a, a younger person's brain and mentality and the way they think, I mean, I... The, that's probably a topic for another time. But my gripe and grime is that, and I've always had this, I've had it for years, and I'm going to kind of lump two into one. 
One of them in Manhattan. They're both in Manhattan, but one of them is slow walkers on oh sidewalk. God, the worst. I should have been. And there. they're on their phone. <laughs> they're usually families of five. Well, so yeah. that's the second <laughs> one, right? So there's the slow walker. Or just two and they're but, wide. From Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> right. But then there's the other ones that take up the width of the sidewalk and completely congest traffic. I ha- Sidewalk traffic. Yes. I haven't figured out how to deal with them. And sometimes if I'm on a... I don't know. If I have my attitude going, I'll say, what are you doing standing in the middle of the sidewalk blocking traffic? Don't you realize that you're in New York City? And I'll say it under my breath and nobody will hear me, but I'll feel better. (laughs) The second part, and this is what I used to do when I was younger, is when people would walk in front of me, I would kick them. And, and, or when, oh, sorry, the third thing, the third thing is when they cut me off when I'm walking. I don't know. This used to happen to me a lot. Now it doesn't happen anymore. But I'd be walking down the street in Manhattan. And somebody would kick me. I mean, sorry, somebody would cross in front of me and cut me off to the point of where I'd have to adjust my step and maybe fall. So when that happened, I would just, I'd kick them. And probably 99 times out of 100, nobody ever turned around because they knew that yeah. they cut me off. I used, to, I used to hate that when I would be walking, you know, I'd be walking, whenever someone would be coming right at me, it's almost like we're playing chicken. I always moved. I was always, always, always the one to move at the last second. So literally one night I was like leaving the bar and it kept happening. I was just pissed. And I was like, I'm not moving. I'm walking all the way home. And I'm not going to fucking move <laughs> once. I elbow, I shoulder checked every... I was like, boom, boom, boom. People were like, oh, my God. I was just like, well, you know why does it have while, to be me? Though, right, why do after, I? Why? Why wasn't it you? After a while, after you start doing that for a while, it's not you anymore. All of a sudden, people start yielding to you. It's pretty It's pretty funny. I guess it's a New York Well, thing. it's like walking to your right. It's like driving. Yeah. You know, when I'm sometimes walking <laughs> down, you know, street in New York yeah. City on, like, you know, on an avenue, and I'm walking to my right. I'm all the way against, the, you know, the, the buildings on the right. Why is this person walking toward me thinking I'm going to get out of their way? And again, I used to kind of be like, ah, you know, screw it. Let me go around. But then I started doing the same thing. I'm like, no. Even on a, on a track, on a walking track, a jogging track, I'm like, there's a right lane and a left really? lane. Why is this person coming at me? So I just started holding my ground. And yeah. again, yeah. You, 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 if they just sort of get, they get, they see your persona and they're like, this one's not leaving. And they tend to scoot out of the way. And I did that a few times. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to walk face to face with this person, I'm in the right. So I guess that might be one of my Paul's pet peeves as well. Oh, if you well, had wait. given me a heads up to this, I would have come up with a whole Paul's pet peeves thing uh, in, that, that, in that's, that's your second. That's your, that's your segment here. But, but everybody, you tell everybody, me. it's time for Paul's pet peeves. And I'll call in. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, James. Isn't there like, maybe it's a Dr. Seuss story or, or something like that. It's, it's a new story. Whatever it is. I think it's a Dr. Seuss story where this thing, I can just picture the next time that Jenny and Paul are walking down the street. Uh, yeah. Who's moving first? Immovable force against the, you know, whatever. So there, there's, uh, I think it might be a Dr. Seuss story where there are two people, they were so stubborn that they just stood and they wouldn't budge. And then they like built a city and then a bridge around them and all this stuff. And they just, and you could really? see it going through the different uh, seasons, like it snowed yeah, and one. all that. <laughs> yeah. anyway, I'm going to look that up. Wow. Yeah, no, I like if that. I ran, came face to face with her, I would just stop, but I would keep my, spread my arms out as far as I could. And then we'd and hug. I'd be like, oh, yes. 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 And I wouldn't want to let her pass. You wouldn't let her want to, you wouldn't let her want to go. I just want that <laughs> moment to linger in time, like, like, like he said, you know, yeah. through the seasons, because she's so beautiful. You okay. can't see her, but I can. So, yeah, is that is that your end? With your, that's your grapes and grimes as well. Is well people I, on the scene? I, uh, you know, I, I again. Well, you were I was, saying political correctness before. Well, I, you so. know, I, it, I tried to start the year off with being very positive and staying away from negativity, and I tried to stay with politics, especially because being in our business, 
I, I you know, uh, the, the entertainment business, I can't always say what I want because of the whole, you know, Democratic, Republican thing. Me too. But, but, you but know, they will blackball you. Yeah. Like, don't say anything. Holy yeah, no, you can, you can get Shit. blackballed. I'm dodging them right now. They're being yeah. thrown at me. So just for saying that. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I won't even begin to go into all of that, you know, although many of us uh, think the same. But, you know, there are, I, you know, everybody has their pet peeves. I mean, off the top of my head, you know, can you just count back my fucking change? Yeah. You know, remember when we used to go and that's, you know, if yeah. something was 250 and they would say, and that's three, four, five, 10, 20. And now it's nothing because it shows it on the cash register that no thought what the ch- what the change is and they just hand it to you. It could be a hundred dollar bill you give them and they don't care. And I I'll do it in front of them. I'll stand there and go, okay, now I'm going to count this back. This is how we used to do it. Yeah, and they look <laughs> at me like I have antennas going out of my head. And then you know, but anyway, that was just like a <laughs> stupid spur of the moment one. Mm-hmm. But I could go on and on with Paul's pet peeves, but that'll be for another show. Here's my gripe from Grime. I just thought of it because it's time for the plugs. And uh, I one of my sponsors is Brightshot. And I've been trying to get you to come down for a demo for Brightshot for a good seven years. There's my gripe. I try to get you to come down because Brightshot, you, you haven't get it. You had never got a chance to use it. It's only three. It's it's as good as a five K. It's only three point eight amps. It goes any color, any color temperature, and it's got built-in special effects like police, fire truck. You know all the old school police, the new school police, like fire effects that are hard to make. It's got strobe. It's got TV. It's got lightning. It's basically a Swiss army knife into one light. And I've been trying to get you to use it. And there's my gripe and grime. You never use Bright Shot. I want to show you this light because the next movie you make, you're definitely going to want to use Bright Shot. Because A, you don't have to run cable because it's only 3.8 amps. It has no fucking heat, okay? Which I always hated when I was a stand on The Soprano. As an actor, I know you hate the heat from the lights. Well, we all Yeah, well, this like got no heat. heat. And it does the same thing as those lights, and they're twice. If you're on a budget, okay, Bright Shot will work with you. It's not like you have to go to that fucking, that stupid-ass Aerie and deal with their clunky, hot, bullshit lights, okay? Bright Shot, is, it's got a daylight, it's got a tungsten, and a bicolor. So it can replace all those lights that those, those big companies have and do it for your budget. So if you're working a movie and you, you have a budget, Bright Shot will work with you. If you're a big TV show, we're going to bang you out. But no, Did that, you say if you're wanking a movie? If you're making a movie, but if, you, if you're <laughs> he wanking... He probably if, said if, wanking. If, if you're wanking to a movie, okay, <laughs> and you're really hot and sweaty, Bright Shot lights are not going to make you sweat, so you can wank all night. <laughs> this is Gripes true, Bright Shot, though. He's Bright been trying... For years, he's been uh, very aggressive with this. Paulie, come on, come down. You got to see what we have. So he, this is true. He has been doing this. He's not just so saying that, this. So that worked in perfectly... Uh, you know that that was that's my gripe and grime. I didn't realize your gripe and grime was going to be with me though. Yeah, neither did I. Holy two, shit! I'm not coming back on this show until two seconds ago. <laughs> so I got bright shot. We got the bright shot out of the way. Uh, James, I'm going to save you for last because I want to talk about taxes right now. People, it's tax season. Do not fall back on your taxes. If you are full, F Sharp Tax Manager Group is going to take care of you. They are the best in the business. They they are sharks when it comes down to. Making sure your taxes are proper, you're getting the right amount done, or you're paying the right amount, whichever way it goes for you. But F-Shop Management Group, if you want to get your, your, your taxes done by the top professionals in the business, you want to email Richard at Prinzi.com. That's P-R-I-N-Z-I. They are the best. Wersteiner Beer. Jenny, you're a beer drinker. I know you love Wersteiner. I do. I really do. Their Pilsner took me from a... raging alcoholic vodka drinker to back to a medium alcoholic beer drinker. Okay. Back to society. Is such a thing as a medium alcohol? Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, there's that Jackie joke. You know, what's the difference between a dr- uh, drunk and, and uh, an alcoholic? Right. Drunks don't go to meetings. 
Oh. oh. Think about it. <laughs> think about it. Take that and think about it. We got Vorsteiner beer. We got Bright Shot. We got F Shot Manager Group. And here we are with James Cristofaro from the DCL. D. Cristofaro. D. Cristofaro. That's a nice Jewish last name. Lawyer James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, James, do your commercial. Tell everybody why they need to come see you. Well, look, we fight about money. There's actually a, a number of different products that we have. Number one, our core flagship product is commercial litigation. Fight about money. You're in a business dispute. Come talk to us. If you've been screwed or if you've screwed somebody, represent both sides. But, of course, everybody that comes to us has been you know, wronged in one way or another, and there's always two sides to every story, and we'll, how, we'll how, take how, a wh- listen. Your filmmaking friend, what was his name? Uh, oh, yeah, Michael Rosado Bennett. Well, so we fight about money, represent all all sorts of sides. And then there's this other product that we're rolling out. It's a a lot of people that we've come in touch with are being sued by their credit card companies, and they don't want to hire or can't afford to pay for an attorney. So we're creating a basically a self-defense webinar, teaching people how to defend themselves in... Uh, credit card cases. So it's like an educational seminar that we're really working on. And um, we're talking to the folks here at Pro Media about helping us put it on together. We're super excited about it because it's going to really give back to the public and show them how they don't have to pay two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 bucks to an attorney to um, defend themselves. They can either do it for free or we're going to have another product where it's an enhanced, um, advanced product that um, is very, very super affordable. We're rolling it out um, pretty soon, so super excited about that. Too. That's a, that is a huge problem. I, I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I do know about that, and I've been. I actually got kind of got rolled by a company, and I wish I had you around because uh, you know there was it was a credit card that I had when I was like eighteen that I kind of blew up and forgot about. And I just figured it just like, oh, it just disappeared. Oh, that'll Discover. keep rolling over and rolling yeah. over and rolling. So if I could just give a plug again, say sure. how to contact us, text defense tips one word defense tips d-e-f-e-n-s-e-t-i-p-s one word defense tips to 31996 and you get some automatic uh sign up form you can sign up to that and it's a total totally free webinar cool that's amazing i love that i forgot to mention that if you want some free swag from bright shot you want a bright shot hat or a bright shot shirt um, you can email Noah at Brightshot, and it's B-R-I-T-E-S-H-O-T. Noah will send you a hat and a shirt. Just tell him Steve Grillo fucking said to call uh, to, to reach out to him. And I also have to thank Pro Media. Pro Media is where we are right now because they are such a high-class, awesome facility, so professional. These guys here are, are the top of the notch. If you want a post-production, you want to do, like, like Paul, I said, you're doing color correction. You can, do, you can do color correction post-production here. I'll give you a little tour of the facilities. But if you're looking to do anything post-production-wise, or even pre you know, if you're shooting stuff, they have a, like trucks full of equipment. You can rent the equipment. They'll help you get a crew. And if you want to do a podcast like I'm doing right now, you can do a podcast here at ProMedia. You have to go uh, chad at ProMedia.com, or I always got to get that straight. But um, if you wanted to reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter at Steve Gorilla or Facebook at Stephen Grillo, uh, Darth Grillo on Instagram, reach out to me if you guys want to do something as far as pre, post, whatever. Pro Media, they're the best in the business. They're right here in the heart of Times Square. And I wanted to like Max and my... my well, editor- absolutely, though. If I could just add to that, if you don't mind for a second, Steve. The, sure. They're, they're very, very super friendly to talk to. I'm setting up... Uh, uh, I guess, what is it, a podcast webinar with them being recorded with all of their technology and stuff like that. And Chad and Scott are super, super friendly, super accommodating. 
if they don't know how to do it, they'll they'll get it done. It's a changing environment, and they are these are the type of people that I like to work with and love to work with. Are the people that don't say no. We'll make it happen, and just give us a minute, and we'll we'll make it happen for you. So sorry to cut you off, Steve. No, 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 but that, that. that's what a great way to cut someone off. Is another exact <laughs> a true testimonial. I want to thank my executive producer, Bobby Zoo. Everybody say that Bye. together, Bobby Zoo. Hey, Bobby. And uh, and Paul, go ahead. It's time to plug you. Uh, how can we get uh, back in the day? Oh, it's time. Well, it's uh, it's po- very possibly still on Netflix. Maybe still on demand. Of course, it's on DVD, iTunes. You know, all everything's it's just a changing world now. I can't yep. even keep up. You know, it used to be. Well, we did a you know a limited theatrical release, and then after that, it uh, I can't stop looking at Jenny's posture. <laughs> I have to you have great really posture. I, I, she's doing, the, she's doing pee. the pee-pee dance right now. <laughs> Is that what I do to you by staring at you? I yes. make you have to pee. Been staring, I've been staring in your eyes. I'm like. <laughs> oh, wow! If only you could see her. <laughs> Can they download so, anything off of iTunes or anything? Like um, that? I, you know, I, I don't. You know, I don't know. It's like you move on from one project to the next, but you know. Again, back in the day is is last feature film, and then of course we did Once Upon a Time in Brooklyn before that, Searching for Bobby Searching D. Searching for Bobby D. There's there's so many. I mean, I'm on IMDb, so you could see my movie com, which is a uh, up not an updated website, but it has a lot of information, a lot of different projects. I'm on, and I'm on Instagram. So come follow me on Instagram. I mean, uh, there's a lot of uh, great posts I have with a lot of people that we yeah, know and exactly. the actors I've worked with and. Uh, I think my Instagram page is a lot of fun. There's a lot of followers. Cool. And Jenny, Instagram? Uh, uh, yeah, I got I got some comedy skits and music on my Instagram, which is uh, at Jenny Boom, J-E-N-N-Y, with three O's and an M. And then I have an album on iTunes, Jen Dawson. album is called Pandora with Holmes Ives as the producer. Yeah, and if you go on wow. Jenny, you you go on Jenny's Wait, Instagram. Is your last name Dawson? I've known you for like a year, and I have you in my phone as Jenny Boom. So, and there's a couple. There's a couple of sexy <laughs> yes. bikini pictures on there as well. You got to dig deep for those. It's mostly me with ugly filters doing funny stuff. So. Yeah, but there, if you scroll down, there's a couple of bikini shots there. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty good. <laughs> okay, I want to end this uh, show. We're going to sing uh, Happy Birthday to Dawn. Get ready get, get ready to fade us out, Max. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Dawn Johnson. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, everybody.